Passage Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Bass Edge Radio. That's right. May 15th episode. What do you think, Aaron? You ready to rock it, Bubba? Buddy, I am ready to roll. And as always, Bass Edge Radio brought to you by the one and only MegaWare Keel Guard. Put on the protection the pros pick. Visit them at keelguard.com. Dude, I had some high intense coffee this morning. I'm ready to rock and roll, dude. I'm excited for today's interview. I am too. I, I saw who was coming up, and I've got to say, we're going to talk more about this in a second, but uh, this is going to be certainly one of my favorite shows. But, it, it, you know, they're all good, Kurt, but I've got to tell you, I've got high expectations. So, no pressure, but let's take a quick break, and we're going to chat a little bit about post spawn fishing. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z-Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17.4 up to 21 foot 2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z-17, our entry-level bass boat at 17 foot 4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z-21 at 21.2 in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Clun, and Ott Defoe, Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. Champions aren't born, they're made. Aaron, this is one of my favorite times of year. You know, you've got fish shallow, deep, and big ones all in between everywhere. And, you know, the bite is really starting to get going. I think we've got like a six-week period here where fishing, although pre-spawn's really good, spawn is good, fishing is really good in that six weeks or so between you know, spawn cycle and that summer cycle. You know, I agree with you, Kurt. It's one of my favorite times of year to fish as far as the conditions that we're talking about i'm not a big sight fisherman we've talked about that you know pre-spawn no doubt fun but what are your thoughts on you know you hear a little bit about directly after the spawn and coming into this post-spawn period like we're spending time on here you know the fish aren't they're just not feeling well right they've got to go recoup a little bit and they're kind of hanging out but to trigger those fish to bite you know i I think the later in the post-spawn cycle that we get in obviously then they have to start feeding again building up their body mass to get ready to go again but what are some of the things that you're kind of looking for and and why do you like it so much well i'll tell you aaron one thing that i think is real important about targeting you know fish this time of year is understanding what happened to 
two, three, four, five weeks ago, right? Where did those fish start spawning first on your lake? Or what activities did you see that kind of promoted that early spawn? So, you know, once you get into this period, you generally during the spawn kind of follow it down the lake. You know, that's where the fish are are most active in the pre-spawn. You're catching some of the biggest bass of the year because they're pre-spawn and you're kind of following that down the lake. Well, once you get to that post-spawn cycle and start that early summer, I really feel like it's important to go back to those areas where you saw those fish spawning first because those are the fish that are going to be more aggressive. They're going to get over that post-spawn effect quicker than the ones that have most recently spawned and you're going to be able to target them a lot better. They're going to be much more fun to catch because you can catch them on reaction baits, whether it be early in the morning on top water, out on points, um, up in some shallow grass. You know, some fish are going to still be guarding fry. Some of the females are going to be back off just a little bit. There's going to be a lot of ways to catch them, but I think the important part is get in the right portion of the lake that has those fish on that feed first, since they've already recruited from that post-spawn kind of uh, lackadaisical attitude. Yeah, I agree with you, and I would almost compare it to, you know, many episodes we've covered tidal fishing, and we talked about following the tide, and that's kind of really what we're talking about here. You know, you go from one end of the lake to the other to follow that cycle, and then you go right back to where you're starting, and uh, like you said, I, I think that's great advice. Certainly a very, very fun time of year. The fish are starting to move deep, which as you know, that's kind of my preference, and speaking of deep water, I understand that's where the bass live, and I understand our guest that we have today, very excited because I think he He's got some uh, accolades and some gold medals hanging on his wall for things that he's done in that field. Well, there's no question. And uh, I feel like we've got so much to talk about with this angler that we're going to move right into this Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight here in a moment. But first, let's get our episode's tackle tip. ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with Jordan Lee. You know, one of the biggest things I feel like in fishing is bow positioning. It's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. And at Lake Conroe, you know, I found this point that I had big fish on it, but my boat had to be positioned in, in one key spot. And, you know, to find that spot, you just have to really pay attention to where you get bit. It doesn't matter if you're offshore or, you know, if you're skipping boat docks, pay attention to how far you're away from your target and that'll always help you catch more fish. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. I'm Brad Postop Angler Matt Reed. This is BASS Elite Series Angler Bradley Roy. I'm BASS Elite Angler Alton Jones Jr. Bassmaster Elite Series Angler Stephen Baby Cliff Crochet. I'm FLW Tour Angler Scott Ashmore. Hey guys, Gerald Swindle, Bassmasters Elite Series Pro, telling you do what the cool kids do and listen to Bass Edge Radio. 
We have a big bass guru on the show with us today in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. This accomplished veteran has been out on the National Tournament Trail for 17 years. That's right. We welcome to the show Bassmaster Elite Series and Major League Fishing Champion Kelly Jordan. We appreciate you being with us today, Kelly. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Kelly, uh, I know this does not come as a surprise to you, but I'm sure it does to others that you keep racking up these big bass awards in your career. With the recent day two nearly eight pounder at the Bassmaster event on Toledo Bend. What is it about you and these big bass awards? I mean, that is just not all luck when you have that many of them, my friend. Oh, well, it's just how I fish. And I've always, uh, I guess, you know, before I was a tournament pro, I always focused on catching big bass. I always thought that was kind of like what I was after when I went bass fishing. It was to catch a big one. You know, I always dreamed of catching 10 pounders and, uh, and, and that. And then I live in Texas. And then Lake Fork is my home lake. Lake Fork is one of the best big bass lakes, if not the best in the whole entire world for, you know, numbers of fish over, you know, say seven pounds or so. It's just chock full of them. And for the last, uh, you know, 25 years or so, that's been my home lake. And I have caught them and caught them and caught them, those big fish. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's just I'm used to fishing for those size fish. And so I run into them more often than most other guys. Well, there's no question that you're running into them pretty often. Let's try to break this topic down a little bit further. You know, there's so many anglers that just like to catch fish. But a high percentage of them secretly wonder how to catch a bigger bass than their buddy. I always think that about Aaron anyway, you know. When Aaron and I go fishing, I just want to catch a bigger one. I don't care how many he catches. Well, if you would give me any water to fish, you you know, (laughs) then I would at least have a chance. (laughs) All right. Well, Kelly, what type of mentality or is there a special mentality that you feel an angler needs to accomplish this type of goal? Well, I mean, the easiest thing to to target a big fish, and everyone's heard it a million times, uh, and it is big bait, big fish. That is true. Uh, I can't stress that there's anything more true than that. That is the truest form of targeting a big fish that you can get. Sure, there have been some great big bass caught on crappie jigs, but a big fish likes a big meal. You're kind of kind of bypass some of the smaller fish with a really big bait. And uh, big fish, when they see that and they're hungry, they jump all over it. And, you know, that's the easiest place to start. And that sounds really simple, but it's really true. And I'm talking, you know, bigger swim baits, bigger bulkier jigs, big worms, like say 10 inch, maybe even 12 inch worms or even bigger, big crankbaits, thinner baits with great big blades on them, and the list goes on and on. Uh, but that's the easiest way if you want to start out of the box targeting a bigger fish is just adjust your lure size, even if it looks really dumb. Big spoons, for crying out loud, you've seen these now. And when, uh, you know, the big spoons first here hit the market when I let the cat out of the bag in that ultimate match fishing event long ago. That's right. Everyone that looked at that spoon, and right now it doesn't really look that big anymore. But when that when I first had that, people were like, the guys like Larry Nixon looked at that spoon and they said, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. That thing is Dude, huge. A fish yeah. is going to bite that. It looked like you were throwing a toboggan. Yeah. And it's like five times that big. The people throw them like a hubcap. So if you want to target a bigger fish, that is the first step you can take to actually do that. And yes, you're likely going to decrease the amount of bites that you get. But if you're targeting a big fish, that's the easiest first step to take. Well, now that you've given us the lures, let's break down some of the typical cover and structure that you feel present, you know, some strong chances to really put yourself around those big fish during the early summer period as parts of the country head into that in the mid-May, early June mm-hmm. time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's actually my favorite time of year to target big fish because they're actively feeding, if that makes sense, and really accessible almost more so than any other time of year. 
Pre-spawn is great. It's a typical big bass time of year simply because the bass are the heaviest they're going to be all year. They're full of eggs. They're shallow where people that fish down the bank have access to where those big ones are and they'll run into them from time to time. And that's a lot of people catch their biggest fish in the spring simply because a lot of those giant bass, they're only on the bank for a short period of time, one time a year, and they're able to be intersected, if that makes sense, by most people that are going down the bank fishing. That makes a lot of sense. The rest of the year, most of those big fish, they live offshore or out and they get less pressure for the most part, you know, you think about Kentucky Lake and you're like, there's no way you get less pressure offshore. But people know that about Kentucky Lake and Lake Fork is the same way. There's offshore structure. There's lakes that are known for, you know, being fantastic uh, offshore structure places. That means going out and fishing the deep ends of points, the humps, river ledges, old road beds, underwater bridges, rock piles, the dam. I mean, stuff like that. That's where they live most of the year. Now, this post-spawn time of year when they're when they're heading out, and, and, you know, May is, that's my favorite month to fish on Lake Fork, by the way, in Texas. I think your shot at catching a 10-pounder is better that time of year than any other time of year because they're biting. They're biting from the bank still because there are some big females that are still up shallow targeting brim on the brim beds that haven't moved back out yet. And then the flip side of that is on that really deep structure where there's not many fish, you know, the summertime places where you catch them in the summertime. If you have your favorite lake where you know you go to a big crankbait or a big spoon or a Carolina rig or a foot ball jig or something in the summertime. A lot of people wait to go out there until everybody is already out there. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Now, when you're targeting that kind of structure, are you basically, you know, that out, you know, you call it out, you know, that structure away from the bank. Are you generally targeting like a creek channel type structure or are you looking well, for long points? If you had to pick one thing, you've caught so many big fish, you had to pick one thing that says, man, I usually catch them when I'm targeting this situation. What would that situation be? Well, deep water access, and that can be a channel or a deep main part of a lake. That's one key thing that stands in there. Also, if you can tie that in with a very large flat, that is the combination for great offshore fishing in general because flats hold a lot of fish, and fishing off the edge of those is great. Deep water access, a steep drop, you know, everybody targets those a lot, but still that's just a great place to intersect those fish. Because a lot of these big fish, I think they suspend most of the day and they they sit out in deeper water and that's where the deep water access comes in because they can move in to feed on these sweet spots and we all know where they are. I'm still learning some. I don't mean to say I know all of them. <laughs> I wish I did, but we all know that kind of, of, of situation, you know, a, a deep pump or a deep a channel ledge. Channel ledges are awesome. That's why, for instance, underwater bridges on these man-made lakes where they've flooded a lake and there's an underwater bridge, that's like a flat spot that covers, goes right across a creek channel. You want to talk about a perfect place to catch fish. Now, with all the mapping and stuff that everybody has, those are really easy to find and they're really easy to target, but uh, that doesn't mean that they're any less effective. Those are a great place to catch lots of fish once the fish move offshore and also big fish. But uh, one of the things, though, about this time of year that we're talking about, this early post-spawn, and uh, it's fishing offshore like that. A lot of people are still on the bank fishing because there's still a lot of fish up there, and there are some big fish still up there. A lot of people haven't moved offshore yet because there's not a lot of fish out there. They maybe think, well, they haven't set up yet. But here's the key I wanted to share with you. The first fish out there are the big ones, and there may not be many of them. But if you want to target a big fish before everybody has made the move offshore, I mean earlier than you would ever think, even, there may not be many fish there. But if you get a bite, the chances of that being a really big fish, that's the best time of year, I think, to, to actually target a big fish. And it's places where you fish in the summertime that you're waiting for the fish to show up. may not be a lot of fish there yet there may only be five or six but there's a chance that they're all great big giant females 
those are the first ones that are back out. And then when the rest of the fish show up, it becomes kind of harder to catch them because there's a whole bunch of the smaller fish in there, you know, two to three or four or five pounders, you know. Lake Fork, typically, if you can find a group of fish out on a deep structure spot early, let's say even early May, even late April sometimes. There may not be a lot, but I have been on schools where every single fish I caught was over seven pounds, mm-hmm. seven to 12 pounders. Maybe I didn't catch the 10 or so on a great day, but that's what size they all were. They were all big females. And then as you get on in through May and into June on Lake Fork, because it is a slot lake and that's what makes it so great, the fish are protected between 16 and 24 inches. Those are all safe two and a half, three pounders up to about, you know, eight or nine pounds. So there's millions of four and five pounders. Those fish will kind of move in in June, and then you're catching a lot of those, and it's almost like the big fish move a little bit to the outside, a little bit deeper. But that's what's special about this time of year is if you go out there and fish, and you're not fishing, once again, for a lot of bites, but that's one way you target big fish. There is no better time than now to be the first one, catch the first ones out, because those are almost always the biggest fish in the lake because they spawn first, and they're done first, and they want to get back out there the fastest. Right. That's an awesome analogy to uh, look at that. That actually leads me to another question. You know, let's say we get into, you know, early June, mid-June and uh, you start, you know, everyone's graphing around nowadays, right? Like you talked about, it's all on our mapping and everywhere else. And, you know, everyone tends to be looking, especially in tournament fishing, for that big school of fish. You know, you you idle across that huge school and you see 100 golf balls down there on your down image and your side scan and your 2D sonar and all that kind of good stuff. Now, is that the kind of school you want to be fishing for to target a big bass? Do you still think the bigger fish are going to be in a large school like that? Or are you going to look for an area that only has a couple of fish on it to maybe increase your chances for a bigger bite? What's your thought process there? Well, those big schools typically, and this is just for the guy that gets the fish on the weekends and it is a trap that you can fall into. It is a tournament trap. I have fallen into this and that's how come I know what I'm fixing to tell you very well. If you're sitting there catching one pounders and two pounders and maybe three pounders and catching them and catching them and catching them, the common mentality is, hey, if I catch enough of them, I'm going to catch a big one. The schools run by the same size, and that almost never happens that you say, well, if I can catch 100 of them or 20, surely there'll be a big one in there. Well, every now and then that could happen, but typically when you pull up on those big schools, you start catching them right away, and here is the key. When you throw a bigger bait in there, like a big crankbait or a big spoon in there right off the bat, if you catch a couple, I would immediately, if I was targeting a big fish, I would throw a much bigger bait in there, a big crankbait or a big spoon or a big worm, something like that. And if you can get one to bite, a big one, if there's one there, it typically is going to be the first one that bites a million times. You get the first one is the biggest one when you throw something that a big fish can really react to. Then if that doesn't happen, move on. So to answer your question, I see that big school of fish. Absolutely, I'm going to throw in there and try to catch a big fish out of them. But if I don't catch it real quick on a bigger bait and I start catching those other ones, it's time to move on. Same thing in the tournament situation if you run into that. You kind of figure out you max out the size of whatever that school is. Then you can maybe look a little bit deeper from the same school or a little bit farther out. And that's one way you can target big fish. But yeah, don't ever pass those big schools because you never know what's in the middle of them. But if there's a big fish or two in there, those typically will be the first ones that bite if you throw a bigger bait. Well, Kelly, it sounds like perhaps mentality-wise, it takes a little bit different, you know, what you're saying there of getting lured in, pardon the pun, but, you know, to the schools and to the smaller fish, but it takes a little bit different mentality if, if you're truly going to be successful at catching big fish. Is that accurate? Yes. And like I said, it's a trap. We all, we all like to catch lots of fish, and the trap is to get on a school of fish, and you're catching them, you're having a blast, and you're catching a lot of fish, and you have figured out what's there, and man, I'm catching them. If I catch enough of them, I'm going to catch a big one. That almost never happens. 
And not that it can't, but yes, you must change, throw a bigger bait in there, move a little bit farther out, closer to the drop, maybe farther around the end, maybe a little bit deeper, sometimes even a little bit shallower. A lot of times a big fish will be around a big population of fish, but you need to use different, you know, bigger baits and get off the main little deal just a little bit. And yes, total different mentality. The other mentality you got to have too is you got to be prepared to catch that big one if you get him to bite. And uh, that's a whole nother deal. And that's the, your equipment that uh, if you want to catch a big one. I prepare different than, than most anglers, too, on that kind of stuff. Well, uh, Kelly, we're, we're going to talk about that, but hang tight. This is a great interview. We're going to take a short break. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. If it's hard to stop or you hear squealing and grinding noises during braking, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find the brake parts you need from trusted brands like BrakeBest, BrakeBest Select, and Wagner ThermoQuiet at everyday low prices. Play it safe with brake parts from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio, brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, returns with pro angler Kelly Jordan in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, be sure to visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. Kelly, just before break, you were getting ready to uh, dial us in on the tackle you need to tackle these big bass. Let's dive into that a little bit real quick. And um, what exactly were you going to kind of share with our audience as far as what you're trying to do to take advantage when you get that big bite? Yeah, you want to have premium tackle and you want to be set up and, and, you know, right. A lot of people shy away from bigger tackle, bigger line. Uh, I hear, you know, guys talk about throwing a a big 10-inch worm out in some, you know, deep cover on Lake Fork. And throwing on 15 pound line and i just cringe <laughs> yes sir <laughs> i'm like man you just i mean more power to you man but if you hook that one that you're after and you're on lake fork which is full of timber stumps and trees you are just setting yourself up for disaster you hook the one you're after and you, you're going to have a high probability of that fish breaking you off or not being able to set the hook good enough into that big fish because the big fish mouth is tough and you got to hook a a big hook through there, you know, big hooks, big baits, all that stuff does not equal light line. You know, that's what's, you know, the beauty of, uh, you know, fluorocarbon these days. You can get away with much larger line. And yes, it will cost you some bites using bigger tackle. But those big ones, when they're ready to eat and you intersect them, and especially that's one of the things of a bigger bait. I think it helps you get the bites on bigger line, if that makes sense, because your bait is so much bigger. But you're prepared 20, 25 pound line, braided line. Uh, all this kind of stuff, a rod that's heavy enough to handle a big fish, not only handle it, but also set the hook and fight them properly. You know, good reels, your drag set right, everything like that. Uh, that kind of tackle, if you're truly going to target big fish, you need to prepare yourself and you need to, you know, I'm not going to say you can't land one on a light line and more power to you if you do that, but that's like, you know, bringing a switchblade to a gunfight. Yeah, um, fire right there. <laughs> it really is. And then when you hook that big one and you got the right tackle, you can put the heat on them. And I'll tell you this, in my years of guiding, I was a full-time guide for seven and a half years on Lake Fork. And the only reason I quit is because I had so many tournaments when I was fishing, uh, you know, the Bassmaster Lead Series, some invitationals, opening, some PA events, and the FLW Tour all at the same time. I had, you know, sometimes 25 tournaments a year, and I didn't have time to guide anymore. And that's why I quit. And I loved guiding because I got to spend time with people that love to fish too and on Lake Fork. I got to put so many people on their personal best. It was just awesome. And there's nothing like having a fellow fisherman, and that's what we all are. We're just we're all fishermen and love to fish. That's why we're having this conversation. 
is being in the boat with somebody that catches either just a really big fish because they haven't caught me or their personal best. That was always my goal, and it was fun. And there's nothing better in excitement, you know, somebody catches their biggest fish, especially when it's over 10. That right. being said, and this goes into the tackle too, and this is one more tip I want to share with big fish that you got to keep in mind if you're going to target big fish. I can tell you how to lose a big fish. Here's how you do it. Are you ready? So let's have it. <laughs> when you see how big it is, when you hook the big fish you're after, you see how big it is. I'm going to tell you what most people do that haven't caught many big fish. They lay up. <laughs> they lay up. You're exactly right. They see how big it is. They go, oh, my gosh, it's huge. Well, they start playing it like it's a bluegill. <laughs> Give it line. Quit pulling hard. Let it swim around. Well, guess what? If you want to lose that sucker, that's how you do it. They will eat your lunch if you back off. So even if you're not using big tackle, if you happen to hook one on your whatever tackle you're using, maximize that. If you have it set up correctly, your drag right, maximize your, your how you play that fish. If you have good tackle, good line, good everything, it's not going to fail on you unless he gets around a tree or something like that and breaks you off. Keep the heat on that big bass. That kind of reminds uh, me, Kelly, of the old adage that we had in uh, motocross racing, when in doubt, give it the gas. You know, don't let up or you're going to... Absolutely. Now, that if you can also overdo it and break it off in about two seconds as well, but be smart. Don't lose your head. Keep the pressure on. Because, and I'm going to, there's a couple reasons, but one of the main reasons is most of the time, those great big bass, and I'm talking, you know, eight, nine, ten pounders and plus, their jaws are so big around that a lot of times your hook is just on their jaw. And it's basically just the tip of that hook just kind of wedged in that bone just a little bit. And it's not, you know, if for instance, how many big bass have you netted or lipped and the bait falls out of their mouth or falls in the back of their throat? Right. Happens all the time. That's because you just had that hook on the bone. If you give them a little bit of slack and they can shake that giant head, they're gone. Or they jump, they're gone. So keep the pressure on them. When they get closer, to using a bait caster. When they get close to the boat, you know, uh, one thing I, I mean, this is really a, a technical deal, but one thing I do when I hook a big one out there, I take off with the troll motor and drag them. I don't want them to get anywhere near my boat until they're ready. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because they have so much power. When they get close to the boat, that is where you break them off. If you get them to the boat too quick and you have a short amount of line out there, man, you want to talk about a disaster fixing to happen too. And everybody who's lost a big bass knows exactly what a talking about. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> a great place to break one off. I take off with the trail motor. It's like uh, dragging a marlin, I guess. I mean, I take off and number one, you can pull them off whatever piece of structure or cover they may have been on a little bit, hopefully. You can also maybe, you know, you get them in a little bit more open water situation. Uh, you can also let whatever stretch in the end of your rod and it, it just is more forgiving when they're out there. They make a run, you have a little bit more time to react. When you get them close, it happens real quick and you know, they make that quick run. Uh, your rod doesn't absorb as much shock in that quick situation because your line typically doesn't stretch as much because you don't have as much. You know, braided line doesn't stretch hardly at all, but you still get a little advantage of them being out away from the boat. You'll get more of a bow in the line. That gives you a little bit of cushion, too. If they're taking off to the side, the line isn't a straight line. It's dragging through the water as they go. And when you do get them close... I always mash the button on my baitcaster and have my thumb on the free spool, ready for them to make that dive. And it's kind of like you reel a little bit, you can press it back and just you're thumbing them. That way, if they do make that run, you can let them go because they can overload your tackle so fast because big bass are very powerful and they're very, very, very quick. Anyway, I guess that's the best tips I can give for landing that big fish when you hook him. And that's very critical too. keep your head about you. Keep the heat on. Keep them away from the boat if you can, not by giving them slack. Take off with your boat. Use your boat. It's a tool. 
And it's hard to think about all this, but that is my personal system on maximizing a landing of big fish when you hook them. And I, I've been very successful at that, and I've caught lots and lots and lots of big bass. And uh, those are some of the techniques that work for me, and I'm able to convert. And, uh, you know, I think back on my career in bass tournaments, catching big fish, I can think of a couple that I have lost that got away, but I have landed almost all of them. And uh, that is the hardest thing to do, and I directly contribute that to my experience on Lake Fork and catching so many big ones. You got to fight them different too. It's not only targeting different areas; it's using different tackle, and then fighting them different and being prepared to have that giant just do battle toe to toe with this huge bass. It's just so much more powerful than even a five pounder. All that stuff together, that that's I think that's my advantage. I you know contributed directly to Lake Fork, and that's why I had the most big basses in uh, Bassmaster history. I even won Big Bass of the Year one time on the FLW Tour. We got a trophy for that. Oh, really? You know? That's awesome. Yeah, what year, they used to what have year that. Was that? That was a two thousand. Uh, if you go to flw.com and look at my profile, it's been so long since I fished there, but it was uh, right. it was on Lake Murray, South Carolina. It weighed 9 pounds, 15 ounces, 1 ounce shy of 10. And awesome. uh, that was big bass that whole year that year. I think it was uh, 2003 or four or five, something like that. When I was looking at your stats, I went back to all your Bassmaster stats, and, and you first started fishing the, uh, the tour in 2000. I was like, right. damn, dude's got some tournaments on his lap. <laughs> you know, he's been around a long time. You think of Kelly Jordan and... To me, you know, you're one of the Texas icons of bass fishing from Lake Fork to TTBC, everything you've done in the industry. And, uh, you know, you think about, I mean, I don't, we're both just getting old, I guess. <laughs> well, and, and, and this is my line. I always use at boat shows we're talking, and I, I say I've been a pro because I started guiding on Lake Fork in 1997. So that's right. 20 years ago. Yep. Uh, and I fished, uh, you know, uh, some local pro tournaments and started fishing some Bassmaster Invitationals, some FLW tour stuff. But uh, I tell them, I say, yeah, I've been a pro for 20 years. And the funny thing is, I'm only 21. <laughs> yeah, and they all laugh. You know, it's like, come on, dude. I said, no, really, I'm like 30. Yeah, no. And that's, yeah, no, we do. We're getting older. And, uh, you know, the thing that I love about the sport of bass fishing, too, is it keeps you young. You look at these guys out there. I mean, look at Roland Martin. Rick Kahn is still fishing. You got guys like Guy Aker in the 70s. I saw him at the Bassmaster Classic a couple weeks ago, and he looked just like he looked 10 years ago. And I said, Guy... You're going to be 120 and look the same as you look right now. It's, it's amazing. And I think that's that's a, this part of being outside, being active, loving the great outdoors. I don't know. It, it, it's it's a little bit of a fountain of youth. I mean, you look, at, you look around at all the different pros, and we have a bunch of awesome young anglers coming up, too, you know, that are the same way. And it's just – and that's one of the, the things in our sport. I think it keeps you young, if that makes any sense. So, What is the key, you think, to uh, longevity as a pro angler? You know, a couple things I'd like to ask, you know, in, in regards to this conversation and and one is what's the key to longevity and two is you know how does a, an angler break the barrier of getting paid versus getting product you know we just interviewed uh, Jordan Lee our, our last episode so uh, we've got a lot of young people obviously listen watching Jordan's going to be a great ambassador for those young anglers you know if right. you can help those young guys since you're the vet you know what's the key to longevity and getting paid versus getting product too? because it's expensive out there yes it is and you know the, on the paid versus getting product and the first thing i'll say and i've always said this is, is you can't go home and eat a bag of worms you can't 
it's great to get product deals on whatever. Uh, I would just, you know, caution people. That is a hard transition. It's the hardest one, you know, to get a sponsor. And then um, here's one way to look at it on the business level, if that makes any sense. If you have been working really hard, trying to work your way up through the ranks, you know, getting free baits and whatever and working a bunch of shows, you start having some, some success in some tournaments. You can approach those sponsors and say, hey, I'd like to get some more. This is what I want to do. Have a business plan. Tell them what you're going to do and see if they'll work with you. Some of them will. Some of them won't. The person in the position that's going to sponsor you, that is a very high turnover job. You've been working with somebody at that position for a couple of years, work, trying to work your way at the ladder. Well, then you get ready to make a jump. There might be a totally different person that doesn't even know your name that you've got to get to know again. And that makes it really hard. So all this boils down to, and this is, this is the hardest part, success in tournaments, track record, if you're catching them. Uh, Jordan Lee, you know, he was all-star through the college ranks. That was his start. He won all that kind of stuff. He moved his way. Now he's a Bassmaster Classic champion. I mean, that guy can ride his ticket to wherever he goes. Not everybody can do that. But if you have successes and you have some wins and some strong finishes, complete your resume. That is what gets more attention than anything else. And that's the hardest part. There's nothing easy about this. But at the same time, definitely network with sponsors. And work on your presentations uh, with fans, your speaking ability, your professionalism, your rest- Reputation will grow because this is a very, very small sport. Always be respectful of your fellow anglers, respectful of all sponsors because you don't ever know when maybe you might be sponsored by somebody that you had a conflict with later. So just be open-minded like that. But work your hardest. Keep your expectations real, though, to get the, the jump to getting paid to where you can really do well. It does require some performance. And that's just the way it is. It's hard to put the cart in front of your uh, the horse. Now, there have been some guys that have been successful in the non-endemics. They know somebody or they, they have a pretty good game and they, they say, you know, I'm going to wrap my truck and boat and I'm going to get you this kind of exposure. I'll be out there. I, I have had some pretty good success. I'd like to try it on the big level. You get people that believe in you and you can sell them with a business plan. That is a hard transition. But if you can do that, more power to you. But the bottom line, once again, this is kind of the truth in, in what we do. And I say this all the time because I get this question and it's a very simple answer. You know what the answer is, Kurt? Performance. <laughs> well, here's what I say. It's very simple. All you got to do is catch them. That's right. That's all you have to do. Doesn't that sound easy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds easy. And believe me, I know. I know you that you know. Do catch them and catch them every day and every time. Yeah, but Kelly, how hard, you have to do. how hard can it be to catch five, right? How many times have you heard yeah, that? Yeah, how hard is that to catch five bass? You, we I all, say that to people and they and they get it. And then you get it. That's all you have to do is catch them. And, and it's, it's like the car in front of the horse kind of deal. There's not many sponsors that are going to pay you to go out there and then do well. You need to, you work and you can develop those relationships and then... It if you have success, they'll definitely want to help you out. That's just all I can say about that. And then that's the really hard transition. And the answer is all you have to do is catch them. Kelly, one thing I, I want to get your input on, we've seen some of the hype for the Major League Fishing event that will be coming up on the CBS General Tire World Championships. As one of the anglers, really, you behind the invention you know, of this very, very popular competition model, I'm a huge fan myself, what do you feel? Thank you. You know, what do you what do you feel this will do for the sport, and how does Major League Fishing growth affect kind of the industry overall? Right. Uh, I mean, we're all just well, like yeah, you said, we're I, all just I, anglers. I, I think you know. I mean, 
Time will tell, but I firmly believe that Major League Fishing is one of the components in the kind of the resurgence of fishing in the last five or six years. You look at how many more people are fishing now and getting out there, it's another venue that keeps the sport exciting. And that's what everybody is looking for. And the platform of Major League Fishing and the success we have had, I think is good for the whole fishing industry because, you know, how many times have you uh, heard the saying, a rising ocean floats all ships? I think you're seeing that right now. And it's a great thing because it's cool to fish. There's so many cool things that are happening, not just Major League Fishing, but all the college We've had that for a while, but the incredible rise of high school bass fishing. I mean, come on. It's really an exciting time in the sport of fishing. Major League Fishing is in the mix, too. And, uh, you know, our the goal of Major League Fishing is not only to have bass fishing tournaments, uh, you know, and they're really not even really tournaments. They're competitions. They're matches, you know, the way we work. But everything that we do with Major League Fishing is for fans and for people to watch it and get excited about fishing and, and get that what we've always known is there us that, that fish for a living or have fish tournaments for a while we all know how exciting it is it's always been the hardest part how do you convert that into a TV program and that is why we do what we do at Major League Fishing and the way we do it and how we do it you know I think we have a tiger by the tail when we started out we said this is a great deal let's give it a shot uh, we think this will be great and this success has been so awesome and and like I said we have a tiger by the tail right now it's awesome and we are having a six episode series coming up on network television in June for all the world to see network for the first time not a freestanding event an actual series where somebody can watch it and then they can say oh this is going to be on next week watch it again and then watch again hopefully we'll get followers please everybody out there tune in watch it give us feedback tell us what you like about it support it this is a a shot to to bring you know bass fishing more mainstream and, and we all know how exciting it is and we're just trying to translate to where all of our uh, friends, mothers, and fathers, uh, or whatever, can watch it and get excited. And I'll tell you what, we have had a lot of feedback from fans that don't even fish that love to watch our program. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's good for everybody in the fishing industry. And we're really excited about it. And we're coming on. And I think we're going to be on Saturday afternoons starting in June. And it'll run six weeks. And it's going to be immediately prior for an hour, immediately prior to a PGA golf. So how about that for the sport of bass fishing? Yeah, man, it's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait because I think it's going to be that continued uh, injection into uh, the industry that we all need and, and we want to see it strive and, and thrive. And, um, you know, you look at FLW and the Bassmaster live streaming. That's also, you know, obviously increased the popularity. I, I see live TV fishing format somewhere in our future. I'm not sure where it's going to come from or how it's going to go down, but with Major League Fishing, FLW, Bassmaster, all the great organizations out there pushing the sport to new levels. It's going to be exciting to watch. I see fishing changing immensely over the next five years. We saw a huge change in fishing, in my opinion, back in the early 2000s with the inception of the Elite Series, you know, what FLW was doing at the time with Walmart and a lot of non-endemics. And and that was a big portion of the sport and a time frame in the sport when it was really interesting to watch Kurt, and progress. Look, look at how it's changed. We're all, all three of us are about the same age. Look at how it's changed just in the, you know, in the time that all three of us have been fishing. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is. It is ridiculous. So uh, (laughs) it sure is. I can see a potential live television fishing format in the future of professional angling. Kelly, do you see something like that in our future? Yes. That was a dramatic pause. <laughs> that was that was dramatic. So you see it in our future. Can you, maybe you have a vision of it already? What's it going to look like? Well, 
you know, we have seen the incredible uh, strength, if you say, of the live streaming fishing. It's just that we've seen on Bassmaster, on the Bassmaster Elite Series events with the, with the live camera every day in the boat and the split four screens, you know, that started a couple of years ago. It's amazing. I, I have people call me all the time. They say, you know, a couple of times that I've been on there and they've had a camera on me for two or three days. And I've had people call and say, man, I'm just mesmerized. I can't turn it off. I watch it. The office, it's on. I, I can't, like, not watch it. And I watch it all day long. It's you just can't see. It's like watching a golf. It's on the, you're on the edge of your seat. I have done it myself and watched our you know, fellow pros in the finals. And you're looking at every move they make. And uh, it, it is, it, it's mesmerizing. Yes, that it, and we already have. It's already here. How you uh, capitalize on it and how you do it uh, live. I mean, that's technology is the only limiting factor. Technology is getting so advanced now. It's coming. It's already here. And uh, that has been part of the success or a large part of the success of our major league fishing events. We are pseudo live events. We're, we're black events, so we're live. It's nothing different than, for instance, The Bachelor. When they show those Bachelor events that everybody watches on TV, mainstream America, that's, it's been over for a couple months. All the stuff that's going to happen has already happened, but nobody can say a word about it. So it's new to everybody that watches it and they come to watch it because they're going to be the first one to know just like everybody else. That's what our culture is in America. Everybody wants to know now. They don't want to hear it. They don't want, it's almost like you don't want somebody to know something before you do. You want to be the first one to see it live. Live is it's just a tremendous draw and we already have that. How do we repackage that, get it even better, make it to where it's more exciting for the fan to watch uh, live events? Yes, I definitely think that's in the future and I guarantee you there have been people working on that right now and it's just limited by technology, but we're already there kind of, but it's just going to keep getting better and it's just going to make the sport of bass fishing that much more exciting yeah i couldn't agree more i can i've envisioned it several different ways you know just like a two-hour sporting event or three-hour sporting event and uh you know there's a lot of different ways to make it work and um i couldn't agree with you more man i see it coming down the pipe and um hopefully people are very receptive to it i know i will be (laughs) so exactly everything we do with major league fishing is we gear our product to the sports fan does that make sense you bet we know what a bass fisherman wants to watch but but if we want to make it exciting for a sports fan, because a bass fisherman is still going to watch it, because they're also not only a fisherman, they're a sports fan. We can present it as a sport, and that's where the live component, and I think that's what the draw is. So, yeah, it's uh, continuing to be worked on. And, you know, you guys have already said it's amazing where it's changed. And, Kurt, you said, where's it going to be in five years? It's going to be, and I 100% agree with you. There is no telling. And uh, I just think it's, it's the future is bright. It's very exciting. Uh, and there is no telling, and, and everybody just keep watching and supporting, be excited about it, and uh, it's great to live in America. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. And guys, we're going to move right into our O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day, listener question segment. Today's question comes from Daniel Philbrick from Marshfield, Wisconsin. Now, uh, you know, when we when we chose this question, this might seem a little late, but hey, we're talking about Wisconsin, so so pre-spawn conditions are, are probably still intact. I remember a Last month, they had a big snowstorm up there. So uh, hopefully, Daniel, this this is still uh, your time for some pre-spawn fishing. Kelly, let's tackle this question. I'm fishing a reservoir I've never been to before and that I've been told is tough because they only draw water during the week, so the fish shut down on weekends. What would be some ways to coax these fish into becoming active if it is a pre-spawn pattern? Which end of the lake do you believe would probably be more productive? Well, that's a great question, Daniel, and uh, you know, that's the 60 
$64,000 question we're always looking for. Pre-spawn is an interesting time. And even in the pre-spawn, there's different levels of pre-spawn, if that makes any sense. I would say in May in Wisconsin, I would get as close to the spawning bays as I could, and that typically would be on the upper end of the lake. It's a shallower end that usually warms first. The last deep water access points coming into spawning bays, the main lake points, and then the, some secondary points. That means points that are inside of the creek or bay. Try those channel bends uh, right down the middle of the pockets or the creeks along the creek channel if you have that if there's any grass around that's you know probably the first place i would look in in the month of may which is probably late pre-spawn they're just about to get on the beds there that's a great place to look also the lower end can be great they're usually there's more topography down there there's more sharp points uh and more deep water access where you might catch some fish also the water can be clearer on the south end so depends how you fish now how are you going to catch them pre-spawn baits Lipless crankbaits, chatterbaits, crankbaits, slow roll of spinnerbait, uh, suspending jerkbait. And I will say with your situation that, that you talked about, no current on the weekends makes it tough. Typically what that means is there's no current, so the fish aren't holding as tight to the structure, meaning the points, the wing dams, whatever it is you have there. They'll suspend. That makes it hard. That's where a suspending jerkbait really shines if you have the water clarity for it. Now, you need fairly clear water for that to, to work. Uh, also, you could swim a swim bait in there, even uh, like some kind of a grub with a lead head on there or a bigger swim bait as well. But uh, in crankbaits, all that stuff can work in. But uh sounds like a tough situation. Just remember the fish may be suspended a little bit more if you don't have current, maybe sitting just off of a point or a drop or something like that. But you definitely want to be close to some spawning areas. And you can run into a school of them that time of year and catch a lot of fish and some big ones. So uh, that's a pretty exciting uh, challenge. And, uh, you know, more power to you. Hope I hope some of those tips helped you. I feel like we should all get college education credits for that response. That was very detailed, very thorough. And Daniel, that will definitely help you put more fish in the boat. And I mean, what a great question, Daniel. Thanks for sending that in because I can assure you, if you're thinking it, so is everybody else. And Kelly, thank you for your response. One thing, Daniel, we do need from you. Be sure to get in touch with us. All you got to do is log on to BassEdge.com, click the Claim Your Prize tab, and get us your address. And we will get that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card sent out to you immediately. And as we do in every episode, reminder to Bass Edge listeners, keep sending in those questions to our website, BassEdge.com, or on our Facebook page, or email us, support at BassEdge.com, to take a shot at winning those O'Reilly Auto Parts gift cards. Kelly, it was uh, truly a pleasure having you on. You know, growing up, you're definitely, like Kurt said it earlier, one of the icons, just one of the the true, you know, sticks that are out there, a, a great representative ambassador of the sport. You've done so much, not only with a fishing rod in your hand but also to really push and elevate the sport to the next level so any closing thoughts before we let you have your day back well just uh i just want to thank you guys for having me on the show uh, it's a great program thanks everybody for listening and watching and get out there fish have fun take a friend fishing and a kid it's all about the future of our sport and that's all i'll say about that uh Keep it fun. That's what it's all about. You bet, Kelly. Good advice. Appreciate you being here with us on the show as well. We're going to send you off with our segment, Four Last Questions for You. Y'all set? I'm set. You can can go anywhere on vacation. What's your destination? Oh, it would be the, uh, well, it's my favorite vacation since I did it about six or seven years ago. But uh, I would go to the Florida Keys the second week of August, and I'm going to go lobster fishing, diving in the water, snorkeling, (laughs) catching lobsters, and getting to eat them every night. That's where I want to go this August. 
That is awesome. All right. What is the last picture you took with your phone? The last picture I took with my phone, uh, let me, uh, it was actually a buddy of mine driving uh, a friend and I to a crawfish boil, and he had his shirt on backwards, and he was driving, and I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> took a picture of him. He, he had the collar, the labels on the back of his collar. It was pretty funny. I took that picture from the back seat. <laughs> what is your favorite TV show? Uh, Major League Fishing. And what is your brand motto? Brand motto. Well, this is... I always told God, clients, whatever I said, uh, cast long, fish deep. <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks, Kelly, so much for being on the show. Bass Edge Radio will return in a moment. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Kurt, goes without saying, obviously, an episode that was just full, I mean, beyond full of information. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that a couple times, but Kelly definitely brought the goods. Yeah, Kelly brought the goods, and uh, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. You know, savvy veteran in all aspects, really knows how to throw out the goodies for the listeners because uh, lots of information there to uh, not only catch, you know, big fish, which Kelly's obviously, uh, I'm going to say, better than anybody in tournament fishing at it, but, but also just... Just catching fish in general. So, um, you know, he's got a lot of great technique tips, tackle tips, and obviously big bass knowledge. So uh, it was awesome to have Kelly on the show. I don't know what to say, man. I mean, he said it all. That's it. I think we're going to wrap this one up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I would only add guys like Kelly, they're not only professional with a fishing rod, they're professional in their communication. They've perfected that craft as well. And that is one thing I will throw out there to people aspiring to be um, at that competitive level in the professional and, and actually get some money and some sponsorship. Communication is very, very important, and Kelly is definitely a good communicator. Unfortunately, we are done communicating. Appreciate all Bass Edge listeners staying with us through that uh, information-packed episode and marathon. Yeah, it, it really was. It really <laughs> it was. was. I, feel, I feel like we need to go hydrate and drink some Gatorade because there, there's a lot of information there, but uh, no doubt all Bass Edge listeners have many choices to do with their time, and we certainly appreciate you staying with us here on this episode and all future episodes. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody. We will see you June 1st, episode 257. The Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.